Welcome again to those of you who are here and to those watching online and those listening later, like Pastor Dave. We're in a series this month examining our November memory verse from 1 Thessalonians. Do you all remember it? It's here too, if you don't. <laughs> Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So today we are exploring an encounter between Jesus and a man he healed to expand our understanding of how we can cultivate gratitude. Let's pray. Lord, we rejoice in you. Help us to learn to pray and to have hearts of gratitude. Inspire us with your word. Give us a fresh understanding through your Holy Spirit today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So listen from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was, not, was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this was one of those preaching assignments where the preacher is convicted and challenged by her reading of this passage. You know, preacher, heal thyself. I'll get to that later. I don't mean that I have leprosy. These are freckles, maybe age spots. <laughs> you know, leprosy was a term used in the biblical times to designate a whole number of skin diseases, mostly not life-threatening. Some of them were contagious, some of them were unsightly, but all these lepers faced the same shameful social disorder. It was thought that they were people living under a divine curse, and they were ritually unclean. This was true for the Jews and the Samaritans. They were relegated to the margins of their societies. This group of lepers, they included both Jews and Samaritans, which makes sense. Their location of the story is in the outskirts of both spaces, both Samaria and Jerusalem. The Samaritans were considered by the Jews to be unclean heretics, but apparently leprosy was worse than being a Samaritan, so this group is together. Lepers were to keep their distance from people to avoid contaminating them. So knowing this, as the people encountered Jesus on this dry and dusty road between Samaria and Jerusalem, they kept their distance as they called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They don't call out Lord, they call out Master. This implies that Jesus has authority consistent with miraculous power. The mercy that the lepers seek is not alms for the poor and the outcast. No, they seem to know that Jesus has divine healing power. His reputation has preceded him. 
Now, this part might confuse us. Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. What do you mean, Jesus? Because nine of them go and do exactly what he says right away. But if you had the background understanding of first century Jews, you'd get the implication of what he's saying. When he says, go show yourselves to the priests, it's because the priests were the ones who would examine skin after a skin ailment and decide whether or not you were healing. You're not healed until the priests say you're healed. You're not back in the community until the healing is spoken of, affirmed by a priest. Seems like an odd and unpleasant part of the job. Am I right? Right? Hey, pastor, come look at my boils and acne and see if I'm healed. Can I come back to church? Can I, can I come to the Advent craft fair? It seems odd to me. But knowing that, what Jesus meant when he told them to show themselves to the priests, spelling it out, what he meant is, you're all going to be completely healed. Go to the priests, they'll let you back in. Because the true ailment that they all shared was social ostracizing, isolation from their families. You know, Jesus doesn't say which priests. He doesn't say which temple. The Mount Gerizim of the Samaritans or Jerusalem. He says they'll all be healed. So it wasn't a weird mind game from Jesus where he demands them to leave but then expects them to not listen to him. But he says, showing, by showing yourself to the priest, you will see that you're fully healed. But there is something special about this one man that turns back, this one Samaritan, his ability to pause and turn and look at Jesus. This man had faith. Jesus says he has faith. He believed that Jesus wasn't just this healer with a great track record who's now healed them, but this divine healing comes from God, that Jesus is divine. So the man pauses and he turns around. He, savior, he savors this present moment. He recognizes what has happened, this moment of grace, and he comes to believe. In the Gospel of Luke, this turning around for the man's reaction, this is filled with deep theological meaning. Turning around describes a movement of the whole person initiated by God's work of grace. It's a redirection, it's a reorientation towards God. Jesus' words, your faith has made you well, or your faith has delivered you, refers to more than the physical healing that the Samaritan has experienced, but the holistic healing of his entire being, body and soul. The text tells us in our English translation that the man prostrated himself. The Greek text describes two actions that's this compound word or idea, that the man fell down on his knees, but he turned his face to Jesus worshiping Jesus face to face. Remember, this man has not been face to face with anyone but other lepers. Imagine this face is now smooth, no longer disfigured. Imagine the man looking at his hands, touching his face, kneeling and looking up at Jesus, able to approach a regular person for the first time in a long time and not being rejected. And that person, not exactly a regular person, but that person is Jesus. The man knows this healing power is from God. So what can we learn from this healed man, we people who mostly don't have leprosy? 
we also need to learn when it is time to turn, when to have a holy pause of savoring God's grace and what God has done for us. It is the first step towards creating a heart for gratitude. I was introduced to the power of savoring, savoring, that idea we often think of around food, but can also be our experiences. This idea of savoring and positive psychology associated with it through a book written by Professor Fred Bryant from Loyola University in Chicago. It's been a meaningful and powerful book for me. I, I'm sure I have mentioned it before. Well, I met Fred Bryant at my church in Chicago. He's a kind, humble, gentle man of faith. He played the guitar and sang in the worship band. He wrote a few songs. I didn't realize he was this well-known scholar in his field for actually a long time. He humbly told me, oh, I wrote a book. You might find it boring, but maybe you might not. <laughs> That's the sort of man he was. But what he wrote about is that savoring is powerful, and it's observable and measurable by social scientists like Fred that you can make a difference in your well-being, in your soul, in your perception and experience of God by deliberately pausing and observing details. You're to pause, observe details, take a mental picture, not just a selfie, not just a picture of the scenery, but absorb it with all your senses, the experience of grace, perhaps even writing down your reflections. Cultivating this as a practice for gratitude seems simple, but it's powerful, and it's linked to being able to cultivate gratitude in all circumstances because you solidify your memories and you carry this gratitude in your heart and going forward. It grows the muscle of gratitude in both large and small ways. This man with Jesus has discovered this holy power of savoring, of pausing, of capturing the moment in his heart. He seeks healing and he gets it in full when he pauses, when he realizes that he believes in Jesus as he sees him face to face. So I ask you, church, as I ask myself, where have we been made well? Where have we encountered Jesus on a dusty road? Sometime, someplace in your life. Where have you savored goodness that has formed you? Now, maybe you're not on a road that is easy right now. Maybe you're in the midst of hard places. But imagine that experience of goodness in your mind and savor it again. Savor an encounter with your Savior. That would have been a good sermon title if I had thought of it in time. <laughs> savor an encounter with your savor, Savior, the creator of your soul, and all that surrounds you in God's creation. So what might you savor? What might you remember? Some of us, some of us have a conversion moment where we come to believe that Jesus is our Lord. Some might experience a thin space where it feels like heaven is close, sometimes at the birth of a child, sometimes as we release someone to Jesus as they die. Sometimes that's a thin space between us and heaven. Sometimes the power of art, the power of music. Sometimes it might be a healing moment, a redemption moment, or a space of peace and certainty. Savor the moment, rewind the moment, replay it, revisit it. 
I often replay a moment in Ethiopia over 15 years ago at the end of a mission trip. It was this holy moment alone with God in the rainforest. I was in a transition in my life, in my pastoral calling, in my awareness of where I needed to grow. And I had this awareness of God's presence. I sat under this tree while warm rain was dripping down. And little monkeys were running around and peering at me like I was a strange creature. But I remember this space of peace that God was with me. And it felt like a thin space between heaven and earth for me. So when we are seeking to pray in all circumstances, the fullness of all the circumstances of our life is what we're praying with. It's not a challenging, pietistic pray for the hard things that are breaking your heart. It's an invitation to pray, bringing all the circumstances of who you are together with Jesus, savoring the moments, large and small. You might be familiar with Thomas Merton, who was a writer, an activist, a scholar, and a monk. And this is what he wrote. To be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he has given us. And he has given us everything. Every breath we breathe, every breath we draw is a gift of his love. Every moment of existence is grace, for it brings with us immense graces from him. Gratitude, therefore, takes nothing for granted is never unresponsive, is constantly awaking to new wonder and to praise the goodness of God. For the grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes all the difference. Gratitude is therefore the heart of the Christian life. So is gratitude at the heart of our Christian life? If so, it means being awakened to new wonder as well as grateful for the gifts that we've received. It means we're to reflect on where we find ourselves right now in the fullness of our present moment. It means turning back to observe the road we've walked upon and where we've observed grace and looking forward. Sometimes right now, and for many of you, I, I know there are some who are dealing with a heavy burden you might be yearning for healing that doesn't come. So I know you can relate to this challenge of praying in all circumstances and maybe having a hard time to cultivate gratefulness. It can be hard. So I'm not putting upon you those who are mourning the imperative that you must feel grateful about that which you're mourning for because there are hard things which we may not necessarily feel grateful for but we can feel grateful that our story is not over. We can be grateful that we're not alone. We can be grateful that anyone we've loved and lost is in God's care. We can be grateful for each new day. So what other obstacles are there to praying with gratitude? A big one is our heavy burdens, but what can we learn maybe from the nine who left? Lessons from the one who stayed, but the lessons from the nine who left, they hurried away. Because, friends, we're people that hurry. I know, I've seen you. <laughs> we are people that hurry. Theologian and philosopher Dallas Willard described the toxic power of hurry in our lives. This is what he said, in order for us to live the life of love, joy, and peace, that Jesus desires so deeply for us to experience, we must eliminate hurry from our lives. 
Hurry is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life in, the in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There's nothing else. Now, I shared that preparing for this, for this message convicted me, and it was around this, because I am really, really bad at eliminating hurry. I leave little margin for the day for where I'm going and what I'm doing. And I heard Dallas Willard describe this some 15 plus years ago when he came to my church. And still I struggle. In this past week, I had a day where I scheduled meetings back to back. I finished the agenda for the next meeting just in time. And at my other job at the Presbytery of San Jose, I got a phone call, another check forgery. Time to close the bank account. I was signing docu-signs while I was in another Zoom meeting. Zoom allows you to multi multitask in a way that is not very helpful, or is helpful. At the same time, I was, I was setting up my online grocery delivery for my Thanksgiving week next week in Texas. I needed to call my mom, my brother, and my son. I was running behind, and I was rushing, and I hadn't started my sermon. And yes, I'm leaving for Texas this afternoon, and I haven't packed. <laughs> Preacher, heal thyself. You know, and I looked for help from Jack, Pastor Jack, and he told me, well, how many times have you failed retirement? Four? Yeah, four times. So while Jack is usually a great mentor on spiritual practices, for this one, being busy maybe isn't. Because we all suffer from it. It is part of our culture. If we're busy, we keep going, and the momentum of movement keeps us moving even when we're exhausted. So we need to heal ourselves of hurry. We need God's help. But let me share a little vision of unhurried that I cherish, one of those moments of pausing and savoring, one that I plan to embrace next week. This is my grandson, Liam. And I've got a memory to savor with him, going to the park and not hurrying. When I was raising my children, I always felt like, oh, we've got an hour for the park, and then we've got to go somewhere. I was always rushing them and me, pushing them and reminding them, five more minutes, now it's time to go. I said five minutes, five minutes ago. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Yes. But I determined to do something absolutely, totally different and uncharacteristic with Liam. I determined we would stay as long as he wanted. I climbed through tubes to follow him in this Texas-sized play structure. It helped. It was after I had lost a fair amount of weight. I was a little healthier. I was just grateful to God for this little boy, and that I was mostly able to keep up with him, that I had the time and ability to do so. I did take a selfie, but I was mostly present, and I kept this memory in my head. And we eventually left. Why? Because of his hunger for ice cream. Yes. <laughs> And I also embrace the, what kind of ice cream do you want? Oh, mommy always lets me get it on a cone. Mommy does not always let him get it in a cone. Do you remember how kids are with a cone and it drips everywhere? The cup is the better, but I embraced the, I embraced the cone instead of the cup. So friends, this next week, may you recognize the places where God invites you to an unhurried pace. May you pause and recall and savor the places where God's grace has reached to you, has made you well, 
and may it cultivate gratitude deep in your hearts. So friends, let's give thanks with grateful hearts for our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.